For our Bible reading, let's turn to Luke chapter 11 and read the first 13 verses. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. And it came to pass that he was that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of the disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, send me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and said, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give him. I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him because he is a friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. If, I, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, Will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then be an evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Let us pray. My Father, has come, we have come to that hour when we are to deliver thy precious word that you've laid upon our heart to this waiting audience. And our Father, the prayer of our heart tonight is the very prayer of the disciples, Lord. Teach us to pray. Oh, Lord, teach us to pray. For after all these many years, we've yet not learned the art of praying. We need, to, we need Thee to constantly teach us how to pray, when to pray and where to pray, and what to ask for. For we need the Holy Spirit who is within to prompt us to pray with groanings which cannot be uttered, for He knows the mind of God. And therefore we depend upon Him who indwells us to give us that prayer of faith that prayer that goes to thy throne of grace, that prayer of supplication, that prayer of intercession, that prayer of petition, and that prayer of confession as we wait upon thee. So we ask tonight, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to wait in thy presence, making time for prayer. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he calls us 
to prayer, waiting upon Thee to give us those things to pray for, for there are so many. Lord, we have lost loved ones. We have lost friends. We have lost ones that we speak to every day and call and letters from them. Our Father, we everywhere we turn, the world is set on the fire of lust and pride and everything of sin. Certainly we need to pray for those outside of Christ. And our Father, there is a constant need of this thy ministry that you've placed into our hands, this hands of this church. Lord, the constant need we need to lay before you. So teach us to pray. Teach us to be honest with thee and come before thee and lay the things out before thee because our soul needs you. I can't live without you. I can't go one day, one hour, one moment without thee to uphold us and to keep us and to teach us those things that you would have us to do. I need thy guiding, leading hand continuously as you map our pathway day by day. And so we pray for these things tonight and ask that you would teach us. And our fathers, we speak upon this subject of prayer tonight. Please undertake for us. Thou knowest the strength of thy servants. We need a lot of it. Thou knowest the mental alertness that we need. And thou knowest, blessed Father, the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us to come from within and speak through us those words that are needful for our souls. That we'll go away with these thoughts ringing in our souls tonight. We'll not get away from them. And that we will, we will remember them as we call upon your name. Have mercy upon each and every one of us tonight as a need surely in everyone's heart that has come this way. And those who will hear this tape in the weeks and months to come as a need, Father, in their hearts. So we pray that thou wilt meet that need and cause them to pray. We confess unto thee tonight, Lord. We don't pray like we should. We do pray that you will teach us. Bless Brother Isaac tonight there in the Santa Rosa Correctional Center as he preaches. Watch over him, give him thy word. Our Father, may you bless him. Bless those that are on the road tonight. We ask that you have mercy upon them. Those that are sick in our midst, we pray for them and bring them unto thee. Those, our Father, who misunderstand the truth and will not hear the truth and run from the truth, will you stop them? Will you have mercy upon them? Thou knowest those we have in mind. And we pray for them tonight that thy great grace will rest upon them. We love you. We want to follow you. And we certainly want to lay on your bosom like John and pour out our hearts under thee by faith into thine ear. For Lord Jesus, thou art the great high priest. And thou dost pray for us and as, <clears throat> as the intercessor. And so we bring our needs to thee tonight. May thy will be done, for in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now for our text tonight that we desire to use is found in Jeremiah 33, 
33. Jeremiah 33, 3. Let's read the first three verses. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time, while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. This verse of Scripture has... Many memories for me. I never will forget the second week in May of 1970 when wife, wife and I were making our way to Litchfield, Minnesota. We stopped for the Lord's Day about 150 miles from there over in Wisconsin, Baldwin, Wisconsin. I'd been crying to the Lord Lord, is Litchfield, Minnesota, the place where you want us to go? The people we were going to see did not know we were coming. And I did not want to tell them why I had left New Orleans, but I did want to, I did pray that God would answer our prayer. And as I prayed and wrestled with the Lord that Sunday afternoon, He cheered my heart with three verses of Scripture out of the book of Jeremiah. I've never got away from them, and never will, by the grace of God. He called my attention, the Holy Spirit did, first of all, to this verse of Scripture in Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I never knew that afternoon when I began to call upon him that the great and mighty things which thou knowest not are still coming to pass by his marvelous grace. And then the next the next verse of scripture that came to my heart was in uh, was also in Jeremiah and he asked the question is there anything too hard for the Lord. And of course, I answered back to him, no, there's nothing too hard for thee. Nothing too hard for thee, O Lord. And then, when he gave me the third one, I know, I knew then that he was going to, he answered my prayer because this was the prayer I'd, I'd asked, had offered up. I had known one family there in Litchfield, Minnesota. I'd been there twice and had preached there. And I said they did not know we were coming. And I asked the Lord that if Litchfield was the place, that when we got there, that they would not ask me why I left New Orleans because at that time I was not ready to tell them But when he gave me this promise in Jeremiah 29:11, I knew that God had answered my prayer. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace 
and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And I knew from that verse of Scripture that God was going to do exactly what He said He would do. <clears throat> His thoughts toward me were thoughts of peace. They were not of evil, and He would give me an expected end. We arrived in Lichfield about 10, 11 o'clock on that Monday morning and went down to the Ford Mercury dealer where the man whom we wanted to see <coughs> owned the dealership there. He asked me what I was doing in, in Litchfield because he knew I should have been in Baton Rouge, Louisiana for a meeting which had been closed. And I said, do you have time to go up to the house and let us talk to the wife? He had never met my wife then. So he went up to the house and he said, all right, now tell me why you're here. I says, well, I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for a house. And I'm looking for money to move on. He said, pass it by me again. And I did. And he says, can you sell cars? Never sold one in my life. But I'd worked inside sales on the phone for, for decades. Now I looked over at her and she was crying. And she said, I've been praying for a pastor for two years, but I didn't know God was going to send me you. And they asked me no questions. That's where God put us. That's where this ministry was born. All coming out of our text tonight, Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Now, in this verse of Scripture, we are definitely encouraged to pray. We're definitely encouraged to call upon the name of the Lord. Jeremiah was in the prison house at the time, suffering greatly from the hands of the king because he had prophesied the judgments that were going to come upon Jerusalem and the Babylonian captivity that they were soon to go in. But he heard the word of the Lord, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And we are like, we are like Jeremiah. At times we are shut up in the prison house, where to turn, what to do, waiting for the time and day of deliverance when God will hear our prayer, and deliver us from those things. I knew that was so when God was in my heart for salvation. I was shut up in the prison house of this world, shut up in the prison house of sin, calling upon the name of the Lord to deliver me from going down to the pit and to reveal Christ to my heart. For Psalms 35, 3 was my constant cry, Say unto me, Thou art my salvation. I wanted him to tell me from his word, and when he did come, he did tell me from his word. Because I, Isaiah 44, 22 came home with power and much assurance the moment God saved me. He said, I have blotted out of the thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins, return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Past tense. And, and God revealed Christ to my soul by the Holy Spirit. 
So I was shut up. Every soul is shut up in the prison house of the world until deliverance comes. But then there are times in the believer's life when it seemingly, seemingly he sh is shut up with all of his problems, with all of his cares, with all of his sufferings and afflictions, misunderstood. And the heavens seem to be brass. And all seems to be going wrong. And yet, God says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. So therefore, we, we are encouraged to pray. We're encouraged to pray without ceasing. We're encouraged to come before him and supplicate with thanksgiving and with praise, making our request known unto God. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. <clears throat> As we wait, we have this sure word of God before us. Beloved, you could not have a more sure word than God from God than that one expression, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That's the greatest encouragement to my heart to pray, is that I know that God hears, and I know that He understands, and I know that I can come to Him through Christ, through the precious blood of Christ, and He will hear us. Why must we pray? Why must we call upon the name of the Lord? For, beloved, we are poor and helpless souls without him. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John 15, without me you can do nothing. Therefore, he wants me to pray. He wants me to lay up my needs out before him. He wants me to pour out my heart before him. He wants me to seek his faith. And that encouraging word to be read from Luke 11, he says there, that ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be open unto you. And then he goes back over it the second time, but it's like driving the nail through the board and bending over the point on the other side to clench it. And he said, everyone that asketh, receive it. And everyone that seeketh, find it. And to him that knocks, it shall be open. A double as it were, promise from the living God. Ask and you shall receive. Keep on asking, for you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Keep on seeking, for you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Knock and keep on knocking, because the Lord waits to be gracious. He tells us in His Word there in Isaiah that He waits to be gracious unto us. He's a God who hears and answers prayer and delights for us to come unto Him and lay out our needs before Him. We have time for everything else. Let us give time then to the calling upon the name of the Lord. We need our attention called to these things over and over again that we can do nothing without Him. Then, we need to call upon His name because 
Our hearts are heavy at times. There's no spirituality. It seems like we cannot even get a prayer to heaven. The heavens are brass. doesn't look like our prayers go any higher than the ceiling. But God hears them. He says, Call to me and I will answer thee. Then Satan begins to whisper in our hearts, in our ears, in our minds, Why should you pray? All hope is gone. Nothing will prevail. God won't hear you. Or if he can't get you that way, he said, look, you're a sinner. You're not worthy to come in the presence of God. You're not worthy to come into the presence of God. And of course we're not. But we're made worthy in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he continues to tell us, he'll not let you see his face. He will not answer you this time. You've done too much. But the Word keeps coming back to us time and time again. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things. And then why do we need to call upon His name? I don't know about you, but we are plagued with unbelief. Maybe you don't have any trouble with unbelief, but I do. We're plagued with unbelief. Unbelief whispers in our ears, What profit is it if you seek the Lord? He is not going to hear you. The thing is too small. Don't bring it to him. The thing is too large. He'll not do this for you. It's too complicated. But we're to pray. And we're to seek his face and call upon his name. Unbelief whispers in our ears and says, You've sinned too much. God is not going to take you back now. Or he might whisper in our ears, You have failed him so many times. He's not going to hear you now. No use for you to pray. But there is still the Word of God in our text. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And we have need for, for to call upon his name continuously. Everything that touches our life, we must find, we must call upon his name. We must talk to him about it. Are you sick? It's a time to pray. Does providence trouble you? You can't understand God's moving in, God, in providence at this particular time? Are you fearful? Are the burdens too heavy? Are the trials too thorny? No. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. I will listen to you. I will hear you when you cry, if it's only a whisper in the heart. 
I'll, I'll pray for you that your faith fail not. Call unto me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee. All of these are precious promises from his word. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. Listen to all the admonitions to pray. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee. Ye people, pour out your hearts before the Lord. That's a blessed, that's a blessed promise. To pour out our hearts before the Lord. To tell Him what's there. Pour it out. There are people that come to you. They're afraid, they're not afraid to pour out their hearts before you. I've had people stand to my face and curse me out. They weren't afraid to tell what was in their hearts and pour out their hearts. I've had others who I'd be counseling and, and they would pour out their hearts and all against the preaching and everything about it. Tell me everything they didn't like about it. Everything they didn't like about this church and this ministry. But we have fallen to me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee. He never fails. And beloved, I know this promise is true. He says in another place, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Then again, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So he tells us to pray without ceasing. All the promises that, that come unto us, that, that he gives us in his precious word, and there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them like this, that he tells us to come unto him. We read in our Bible reading this morning from Psalm 34, 6. These were the words, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. That's exactly what our text tells us. Call on me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. So he wants us to draw nigh to him. He wants us to pour out our hearts before him. He wants us to come before Him without hesitation. Come into His presence through that new and living way that He's given us through the blood and righteousness of His rent flesh. Come before Him. He's our great high priest. And lay our case out before our intercessor within the veil who prays for us that our, that our faith fail not. Ask Him to show us the way. Lay him before the lay the promises before him, beloved. There are times when, when things come, that there seems to be no answer, whatsoever, to the problem that confronts us. There seems to be no answer, no way out. What do we do? Do we run? Well, there are times when you feel like running, if you could run. Well, he doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to hear our text. 
call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And then there are times when the Holy Spirit comes to us and he begins to whisper to our souls, Come apart. I want to pray in you. I want to pray through you. I want you to be like like Jacob. I want you to wrestle with me. And that's the times when God lays upon our heart the furtherance of his ministry. Or he lays upon our hearts certain individuals to pray for. He lays upon our hearts the seriousness of the situation we find ourselves in the world today. All around us. And he whispers to, my, to our soul, come apart. And that's when we need to come apart with him. And he says, ask. And ask again. Come believing that our God has heard. And when you leave the place where you pour out your heart to him, God will treat you like he did Jacob. He'll change our names as it were from Jacob to Israel, the prince who wrestled with God. Beloved, never stifle the Holy Spirit when he calls you to prayer. Never stifle the Holy Spirit when he calls you to come apart and be that interceding one. To be that one that calls upon his name and waits and you and wait upon him. He will show you how <clears throat> what he wants you to do. Then there's an answer. Usually the promise is to hear us. But here the promise is special. I will answer thee. So he hears us all the time. Call unto me and I will answer thee. He hears us when we pray. Every sigh and groan and moan that goes up from our hearts to the Lord, he hears. I know he does. I can, put, I can put tried and proven by hundreds and hundreds of scriptures and promises in the Word of God. For I know that He heard me. He's given us the promises to plead. He's given us the promises to come to Him with and lay them out before, thee, before Him. I know 1 Corinthians 10.13 There is no temptation or trial or testing that is what that is common to all men but God is faithful in that he will not put on us any more than we are able to bear but he will with the testing or the trial make a way of escape that we may be able to bear it he either brings us through the mountain or over the mountain or around the mountain what he delivers. He never fails. He can't fail. Because he has, he has given his word. <clears throat> and it's impossible for God to lie. That's the reason the faithfulness of God means so much to me. Because I, I, I know the force of it. I praise God for it. Have you heard me say a thousand times from this pulpit? 
that the God I serve, the God of the Bible, is a faithful God. He's never lied to me. He's never put me to shame. And He's never brought me to the cliff and shoved me off. He's faithful. I had to plead that today for strength and for everything to be able to come here and preach twice today. He's a faithful God. And He has shown His faithfulness over and over and over again. So He wants us to call upon His name. Let me read you this one from Hebrews 6. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, <coughs> confirmed it <coughs> by an oath, that by two immutable things, two unchangeable things, and that is His word and His oath, He spoke it and He swore that it was true. He said, by these two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil whether the forerunner is already entered even Jesus. So he, can't, he doesn't lie to us. He will not lie to us. He has sworn by His Word. In another place He tells us that He swears by His holiness. In another place He tells us He swears by His wrath. He put the oath to Him. That my Word is true. It is impossible for me to lie. And He's given each and every one of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ a strong consolation that since we have fled to Him for refuge and laid hold upon Him as the hope set before us, we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. And the anchor is within the veil. What's an anchor for? It's to hold the ship in times of a storm. And when the waves are beating, but where is the anchor? The anchor's not on board. The anchor's down there. Digging into the, digging into the sea, bottom of the sea or around the rock. The chain comes up and holds the ship. The anchor's not in us. Oh, beloved, God didn't trust us to keep ourselves. God didn't trust us with His salvation. He said there in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, this is what, listen to what He says. Listen to what He says. This is precious. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you, watch it, who are kept by the power of God. Our hope and our anchor is in within the veil. And therefore, He's not going to lie to us. He keeps the salvation that He has given us. And therefore, it's ready to be revealed in the last time when He comes and to make us His very own by giving us a new body and we'll be with Him forever and forever. But we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Therefore, He will not lie. His promises are true. I will answer thee. That word will is a stronger word than the word shall. 
I will. He says in Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh. And then when I do all of that for you, then you shall do so and so. And when God wills it, then we shall. And he has willed to answer our prayers. And then we shall walk praising him and thanking him for what he promised to do, what he's undertaken for us, and he does it by his almighty power and by his almighty grace. And so there's the praise that goes up when God answers. And we know the answer comes from God. And we can praise him for it. I will. I will do it. So therefore, it is God's nature in Christ to answer our prayer. He has revealed himself in the gospel as a God of love. He has revealed himself as a God full of grace and of truth. Then how can he refuse to help those who humbly come before him and call upon his name for mercy? Will he refuse those whom he delights in? Will he refuse those who have taken up their abode in him and he in them by his power of his spirit? Will he forsake those who have trusted him through thick and thin as it were? Will he, will he, will he, will he leave us now? Will he bring us thus far and not continue on? This is the hope, brother. This is the hope of God's people. What God has done, God will continue to do. And he'll, he'll get us home at last. And it's his, it's his character. God's character is at stake. This is his character <clears throat> to freely give us all things. Our own experience leads me to believe that God will answer prayer. I tell you, beloved, if no one else here tonight can say it, that God hears and answers prayer, I can. Answered prayer is written upon every page of every day of my life. Are you looking for the answer when you pray? I can truthfully say tonight, by the grace of God, that Answered prayer is written upon every page of every day of my life. I have put God, I have, I have trusted God and His power so many times in His promises, and they have never failed. He has brought them to pass. I could, I could spend the rest of the night here telling you of the promises in His Word that have been mine that he's given to me a plea. Call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Why, did he, why has he given us the promises? All of the promises are yes, and they're amen in Christ. And if he's given us Christ, then all the promises are ours. Whether they're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, they're ours to plead. And I praise God for it. You say, it's mighty bold to make a statement like you just made that <clears throat> answered prayer is written upon every page of every day of my life. No, brother, I give God all the glory. I ask you a question. If I come before Him every day in the morning 
in my quiet time with him, and I lay everything out before him, <clears throat> and I plead his word, and I asked him, I said, Father, here's my feet, here's my hands, here's my eyes, here's my lips, here's my ears, here's my imagination, here's my, here's my emotion, here's my understanding, here's my affections, here's my will. Take all of me and do with me what you will today. Sure he leads. And he answers as we call upon him. As the prayer goes up. In fact, he even lets us be on his bosom like John. He even takes us up into the mountain and shows us Mount Pisgah in the promised land like he did Moses. We will even hear that still small voice like Elijah did. I'll show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Well, you're bold. Well, you can be bold in the Lord, brother. You know that he cannot fail. You know that his promises are true. <clears throat> and that he has, he has given them to us. Everything about our life he wants to control and desires to control. Every decision he desires for us to bring it before him. Call upon me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that, that thou knowest not. Now there are a lot of times when he does not answer us in the way that we would hope he would answer. But he answers prayer. There are times when he says no, and no is the right is the right thing that I should get at that particular time, and God knows it, because there are times when I ask for things that if He gave that particular thing to me, it wouldn't be the thing that I would I would need. He is saving that for another time when I would praise Him more. But He's going to hear, and He does hear, and He He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He gives us what is best. And this promise is given to us to encourage our faith. I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The best way, yes, the only way by which these great and mighty things are made known unto us is through prayer. Make known unto him. What did Daniel do when Nebuchadnezzar had that dream and none of his Men could tell him what it was, and he said, I'm going to cut off the head of all my counselors, all of, all of them, all my wise men. And Daniel and the three Hebrew children were among them. So what did Daniel do? He took it to the Lord in prayer. And what did, Daniel, what did God do? He heard Daniel's cry, and he showed him the dream, and gave him the interpretation of the dream. Prayer brought the, brought the victory to Jacob, <clears throat> whose name was thus changed to Israel. What did he cry for? For God to deliver him from the hand of Esau. And he did. As I said, prayer brought Moses to request to see the glory of God. That was a bold thing for Moses to do in, in Exodus 33. Show me thy glory. 
Did God turn him away? He says, I'm going to put you in the rock and I'll put my hand over you and I will pass by and I'll let you see my hinder parts but no one sees my face and lives. And then when you go to the 34th chapter of, Ex- of Exodus, what happens? He makes all of his goodness pass before him. All of his glorious attributes come before him. He shows him his glory, shows him his beauty in his, in his glorious attributes. And that's the way we, he does us. We ask to see his face. We ask to know his presence. We ask him to lead us and guide us by his almighty power. And he does it. He'll even take us, take us, as I said, to Mount Pisgah so they will be able to view the promised land. And many a times he takes us by faith and lets us see what is ahead of us when he gives us our new bodies and we, when we shall forever be with the Lord. Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Like John, we lean on his bosom. And like times, like Paul, at times we're carried into the third heaven. And God reveals to us those things that he's going to do for us when we get into glory. So in all of these things, we're encouraged to work on, to pray on, waiting upon the Lord in prayer, bringing the promises to Him, laying out before Him those things that are upon our hearts and those needs, and He will not fail. He always has the capacity. He always has the means. He always has the way. There's a little bitty portion in John 6 that I often think about. 5,000 people were sitting there and had not ate for three days. And the disciples wanted to let them go. And they said, no. The Lord said, no, they'll drop from, from lack of strength or starvation along the side. He says, how are you going to feed them? And the scripture said that he knew what he was going to do. They could only come up with 20, 200 pence. They found the five loaves and two fishes. The Lord Jesus knew what he was going to do. And beloved, in every circumstance of life with you and I, as the children of God, He knows how He's going to deliver. He doesn't tell us a lot of times that we're going to have to go through great suffering or waiting upon Him. But as we bring the promises back before Him continuously, we lay them before Him He knows how and when and where He's going to deliver. And He will deliver by His marvelous grace. The time will come when the promise will be fulfilled. As a promise that I continue to plead for my youngest son. And been answered yet. God has made me wait. But I never leave him alone. Why? He's going to answer it. By his almighty power. 
and God will deliver sometimes in the most simple way. You remember the story of Samson? One day when he was going to the Philistine, he met a lion, got him by the jaws and broke his jaws and killed him. The next time he come back by there, the Philistines come up on him. And all he had was a jawbone of the lion. Took it and he slew a thousand Philistines. How do you know? But that God is going to deliver you through the most simple little thing like that. Or God will do a great work through you in the most unusual way that you'll know nothing about. But He will. And He will deliver. Call unto Me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. If we'll do what God desires for us to do as we pray, we'll be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. What did Ruth do? She came back to the land out of Moab with her mother-in-law, Naomi. She went to glean in the fields. She went to glean and she came back with her husband. And how do we know? But as we work in God's vineyard, we go to just to glean. But we're doing what God wants us to do. We don't want to run from it. We can't run from it. But the vision is before us. It stays there. And we must, by the grace of God, continue it. She went to glean. She came back with her husband. And how do we know that what God's going to give us as we began to glean? God's going to give us a harvest of precious souls as we pray. Do you know what my text was? I hope you never forget it. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Let that ring in your soul. Ask God to bring it to pass. And you shall see what great and mighty things God will do for you as you pray and as you wait for I leave the word of God with you tonight. Trust him to take it home to our hearts. This ought to be a hope for anyone who does not yet know Christ. Who's never trusted him with your never dying soul. It's a promise you should lay hold of. That is your call. He will hear, and he'll show you great and mighty things that you know not in the Lord Jesus Christ. As you look away to him and look to his righteousness and his blood and his work for you at the cross, in the grave, in his resurrection, his ascension, his intercession within the veil, he will show you great and mighty things. 
This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D, M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.